Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Revelation, chapter 14. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. These 144,000 are out there preaching the gospel. I like to look at these guys like they're the infantry ground troops. They're out there preaching the gospel, and now here comes the Air Force. Notice the angels come flying in to preach the everlasting gospel. Now, I can't help but think, putting scriptures together, that these angels have been waiting. They just cannot wait to get in on the action to get involved in the preaching. Why? Because angels have been in school for a very long time. They've been in the school of ministry, preparing for ministry for a very long time. Peter tells us concerning these angels, to them it was revealed, not to themselves, but to us. They are ministering the things which now have been reported to you, though those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. These things which the angels desire to look into. Did you know that angels know nothing about grace? The angels know nothing about mercy. All they know of grace and mercy is by the grace and the mercy that they have observed from the Father giving to you, but they have never personally experienced it. So the Bible tells us that it is this grace and it is these things that the angels desire to look into. They have been in school of ministry for a really long time, learning from you and from me. The angels are amazed. They think, man, you can really use that guy named Rodney? Lord, are you sure? Lord, we're amazed that you would, you could use Rob even more. Whoa. So the angels are amazed as they look at the grace and the mercy that's found in your life because they have never experienced it. And now these angels are released to get involved in the preaching and they preach the everlasting gospel. They are flying around preaching the everlasting gospel. Now, Matthew chapter 24, verse 14. Listen, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all nations And then, and then, after the gospel is preached to all the world and all nations, and then the end will come. Did you see that? Now, there is a push. We have all been told that it is very important for us to be out there preaching the everlasting gospel before Jesus comes for his church. We've got to get out there and preach. Tell your friends, preach the gospel. Get out there, tell them, because Jesus is going to come soon for his church. We've all heard that. And then it's over. And then no more preaching. We've all heard that. Listen, 
That's not true. That is not true. Here in Matthew chapter 24, Jesus is talking about the end times scenario. It is very important for you to understand that the rapture of the church, listen, the rapture of the church and the second coming of the Lord are two different events. In the rapture of the church, Jesus is coming for the church. In the second coming, Jesus is coming with the church. Now, here in Matthew 24, Jesus is talking about an end time scenario that the gospel of the kingdom will be preached to all the world as a witness to all nations. And then the end will come. So we see that. Remember, we are in the middle of the tribulation. And we know that people are getting saved during the tribulation. The 144,000 Jewish Billy Grahams are preaching the gospel. They are the ground troops. And then we see here in Revelation 14 that the angel is flying around preaching the everlasting gospel. So people will get saved during the tribulation. Matthew chapter 24 is the end time scenario. After this angel has preached the everlasting gospel, given every nation, tribe, tongue, and people an opportunity to get saved, and they refuse, that will be their last opportunity. Then the end will come. Amen. It is so important that you understand that. And notice, I want you to notice, notice five things the angels proclaim. Notice number one, God is to be feared. Now I like that because the fear of the Lord is something that is completely lost in the church today. They are preaching God is to be feared. Secondly, God is to be given glory. Not man. Not man. You know, We think we're so hot. Men, we we think we're so cool. We take pride in everything. Oh, we have so much pride today in our technology. You know, so much pride in our wireless technology. You know, so much pride in our wireless technology. Do you know that God has always been wireless? (laughs) Did, Did you know that? Say amen if you knew that. All right, what's up with that? We think we're so hot. We think we're so cool, man. We got it cool. We got it going on. We're all at the bag of chips, man. I mean, you know, we're all that, you know? No, you're not. God's bigger than you, God's bigger than us. And we're to give Him glory. I love in Psalm 115, verse 1 Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to thy name give glory because of thy loving kindness. Because of thy truth. You see, glory is to go to God. Amen, saints? Not us. Notice the message. God is going to be the judge. He's going to judge. Also, God is to be worshipped. Notice that. And worship him who made heaven and earth. I love Psalm 95, verse 6. Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. We need to be worshipers of God. And God is the creator. I like that. The angels are saying, stop monkeying around with evolution. Sorry, I couldn't help it. I'm sorry. I'll do it again. God is the creator. God created everything. 
And when the angels are flying and preaching the everlasting gospel, that will put an end to the evolution creation debate. And the angel swoops in and starts preaching, worship him who made everything you see. And then notice in verse 8, and another angel followed saying, Babylon has fallen, has fallen, that great city, because she has made all nations to drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. Notice that in the book of Revelation, there are two Babylons, if you're taking note. There's religious Babylon and commercial economic Babylon. And we'll talk about that more in chapter 17 and chapter 18. And then in verse 9, notice yet another angel, a third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast in his image and receives his mark on his forehead or on his hand, he himself shall also drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out in full strength into the cup of his indignation. God's wrath won't be diluted. It won't be watered down. It's going to be poured out in full strength into the cup of his indignation. He shall be tormented with fire. He who, the one who takes the mark, shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of his holy angels, of the holy angels, and in the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment ascends forever and ever, and they have no rest day or night who worship the beast and his image, and whoever receives the mark of his name. Here in verse 12, is the patience of the saints. Here are those who keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus Christ. I love verse 13. Then I heard a voice from heaven saying to me, write, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the spirit, that they may rest from their labors and their works follow them. Notice the first angel flies in and he says, worship God who created everything. The second angel comes in and declares Babylon is fallen, is fallen. And then the third angel comes in and says, don't take the mark. Now, we talked about this last week. If you weren't here, you most certainly can order the tape or the CD. We talked about the Antichrist who is coming. And he will seek to get everyone to take his mark, to pledge their allegiance to him and acknowledge that he is God. The angel says, don't do it. If you take the mark, you will be damned forever. Fire and brimstone will ascend forever and ever, and hell will be your fate. There is no way to escape this. Now, there are some people who will say, I don't believe in hell. I just don't believe in hell. And your point is, just because you don't believe in hell doesn't make it one degree colder or one minute shorter. Hell is hot. Hell is forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. That's hell. Now, right off the bat, you can learn some things about hell just from these few verses. Notice, number one, hell is real. Number two, hell is forever. And number three, hell is forever horrible. We can see that here. Put it all together from the scriptures. The Bible says that hell is a place of outer darkness where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. Totally dark yet miserably hot. You can't see anyone, but you can hear the torment of everyone. 
Hell is a real place that goes on forever and ever. And God tells this angel to plead with people not to take the mark because they don't want to go there. And he doesn't want them to go there. And so the angel says, worship God. Don't love the Babylonian system and don't take the mark of the beast. Three very important messages. But notice verse 13. I love verse 13. Very famous verse. People love to use it at funerals. But it's a great verse. Remember, we're in the middle of the tribulation. And it says, blessed are the dead that die in the Lord. In other words, if a person that you know, dies in the Lord. This is a great verse. The Bible says that they are blessed. They should be happy when a person dies in the Lord. If you've got a family member or a friend who has died and they're a Christian, they're blessed. Blessed are those who die in the Lord. Why? 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 Because they're in heaven. Paul said to be absent from the body is to be what? Present with the Lord. So if you die and you are a Christian and you die, you're going to spend your eternity in heaven. Someone once said that death for the Christian is nothing but an open door that leads to everlasting life. And that's why it's a blessing to die as a Christian. Because when you die, you will find yourself in the presence of the Lord. And you won't have to worry about sickness. You won't have to worry about sorrow. You won't have to worry about death or crime or stress or depression. You won't have to worry about headaches and backaches and heartaches and setbacks and disappointments. In heaven, there's everlasting joy. In heaven, there's everlasting peace. In heaven, there's everlasting life. So blessed are those. It is a blessing to die as a Christian. Conversely, it is not a blessing to die as a non-Christian. Because you won't be in heaven. Well, notice in verse 14 through 20. Verse 14 through 20, we have a preview of coming attractions. I like preview of coming attractions. Well, we have that here in verse 14 through 20, a preview of the end of the world and the battle of Armageddon. Notice in verse 14, if you're there, say amen. And then I looked and behold, a white cloud. And on the cloud sat one like the son of man, having on his head a golden crown and in his hand a sharp sickle. And another angel came out. Man, there's a lot of angels in chapter 14. And another angel came out of the temple, came from the presence of God, crying with a loud voice to him who sat on the cloud, thrust in your sickle and reap. For the time has come for you to reap. For the harvest of the earth is ripe. And so he who sat on the cloud thrust in his sickle on the earth, and the earth was reaped. Stop right there. There's no question. Who is this one who sits on the cloud? The crown on his head. Did you see that? A golden crown contrasting the crown of thorns that we last saw when Jesus was on earth. Now he has a golden crown. Well, who's this? Believe it or not, scholars debate. I think this is, like, ridiculous. I mean, who is this? This is Jesus. This is Jesus Christ. 
So John sees Jesus coming on a white cloud in judgment. And Jesus thrust into the earth his sickle and reaped the earth. Yesterday, I saw a bumper sticker. I like people's bumper stickers, actually. Tell me a lot about them. And I saw on a bumper sticker, it said, Jesus is coming, look busy. And I thought, oh. Look busy. I thought to myself, you know, when Jesus comes back, there won't be a need to look busy because the 144,000 they have preached, the angels will have preached, and now Jesus is going to go to work separating the wheat from the tares. In the last days, there will be a harvest of good and a harvest of evil. Now, here is your homework. Matthew chapter 13. I want you to go look this up in your own time. I'll tell you briefly, Jesus there in Matthew 13, he tells a a parable. What's a parable? A parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. So Jesus tells this parable of the wheat and the tares, and his disciples, they didn't get it. As usually, they just don't get it. And they said to him, they they said, what does this parable mean? And Jesus explained, the one who sows good seed is the son of man. The field is the world. The good seed or the wheat is the children of the kingdom. And the tares are the children of the wicked one. And then in verse 39, the enemy, Jesus said, who sowed them is the devil. And note this. The harvest is the end of the age. So what is the harvest? The harvest is the end of the age, the end of the world. And the reapers are the angels. Therefore, see, you use the Bible to interpret the Bible. That is the best way to get the proper interpretation. The Bible to interpret the Bible. So the Bible tells us that the harvest is the end of the age. Therefore, as the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. And you can read the rest in your own time. So Jesus tells this parable. Let the wheat and the tares tarry together. And when I come, I will do the separating. Here in Revelation chapter 14, Jesus is doing the separating. And so he thrusts in his sickle and he reaps the first harvest speaks of the end of the world, and it deals with wheat and tares. Notice in this section, there are actually two harvests. Notice the second harvest, beginning in verse 17. Then another angel came out of the temple, which is in heaven. He also having a sharp sickle, and another angel came out from the altar, who had power over fire. And he cried with a loud voice. He cried with a loud cry, pardon me to him who had the sharp sickle, saying, Thrust in your sharp sickle, gather the clusters of the vine of the earth, for her grapes are fully ripe. And so the angel thrust in his sickle into the earth and gathered the vine of the earth and threw it into the great winepress of the wrath of God. And the winepress was trampled outside the city. Whenever you see a city referenced in the Bible, outside the city, it refers to Jerusalem. The winepress was trampled outside the city, and blood came out of the winepress up to the horse's bridle for 1,600 furlongs. Very, very interesting here. The first harvest deals with grain. 
The second deals with grapes. A harvest of the grapes of wrath. It speaks of judgment. The great wine press of the wrath of God. Now these verses, you probably heard these words before. These verses were the inspiration for the battle hymn of Republic. My eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. He is trampling out the vineyards where the grapes of wrath are stored. He has loosed the faithful lightning of his terrible swift sword. His truth is marching on. These verses were the inspiration for that hymn. So here we have, here we see, the stage is set for these end times events. Verses 17 through 20 is a reference to the battle of Armageddon. Joel chapter 3, verses 12 through 16. Let the nations be wakened and come up to the valley of Jehoshaphat. For there I will sit to judge all the surrounding nations. Put in the sickle, for the harvest is ripe. Come, go down, for the winepress is full. The vats overflow, for their wickedness is great. Multitudes upon multitudes in the valley of decision. For the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. The sun and the moon will grow dark, and the stars will diminish their brightness. The Lord also will roar from Zion and utter his voice from Jerusalem. The heavens and the earth will shake, but the Lord will be a shelter for his people and the strength of the children of Israel. Isaiah chapter 63, if you're taking notes, look it up in your own time. Verses 1 through 6, talk about Jesus treading the winepress alone. All kinds of Old Testament prophecy talk about this time when God will judge, when God will stomp on and crush those who don't believe, and he will tread the winepress in the battle of Armageddon. The battle of Armageddon will take place in the valley of Megiddo. When I took my trip to Israel and showed you guys pictures, I showed you a picture of the vast valley of Megiddo. It is in this valley that a 200 million man army will gather together to fight against Jesus Christ. And guess what? He will be victorious. Amen. Jesus will defeat the armies of the Antichrist and he will crush them like grapes and the blood will be flowing even to the horse's bridle. Four feet high and 1,600 furlongs, which is 200 miles or the length of Israel. Very interesting. This is a bloody, brutal judgment. We'll talk more about that in chapter 19. It's unbelievable. Our minds cannot conceive of this kind of carnage and utter horror. These things are true. I believe that what we are reading here is true. And if we really believe it's true, then why don't we leave here today and say, Lord, I'm going to share these things with somebody. I'm going to tell someone of these things. You know, may we not be a people who study prophecy so that we can become prophecy experts, whatever that is, but that we can become prophecy experts. We know all the deep and intricate things of God, and we know what the end times are going to be. Don't ever approach the study of Revelation or in any other prophetic book with that heart and mind. We need to study the end times prophecy that we might know Jesus. Remember the word revelation, it means the unveiling, the unveiling of one single person. His name is Jesus. 
and we need to know him. And we study prophecy that we might know him and that we might be able to go from an environment like this into a world like that and to tell them that these things that we are studying are true and that they need him. You see, it's all about sharing Jesus. This one guy named Richard Law, he said, if I believe what Revelation teaches is true, then I would crawl on my hands and knees over broken glass across the whole city of London to share it. Because it's true. Because it's real. And may we be people who practically take these things and know that Jesus is coming and share these very simple truths with other people. God, protect us from pride. Lord, protect us from haughtiness. And Lord, may we never be seekers of knowledge just for knowledge's sake. But may we be your people who take these things and understand these things and then go share them with people who really need you, Lord, who need to be ready when you come. So, Father, do that. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. Or you may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.